Hello and welcome to this special episode of Working It, where we'll be discussing the future of work in 2023 and the trends to look out for. It's a roundtable discussion and I'm joined by my FT colleagues Taylor Nicole Rogers and Sophia Smith in New York. Taylor is the US Labour and Employment Correspondent and Sophia edits the Working It newsletter. So this is a discussion and we'll be weaving in some of the predictions from our Working It regulars. But like the future, this could go anywhere. So Taylor and Sophia, welcome. Thanks for having us. I want first to cast our minds back to 2022. That's been the year when hybrid work really took off in a lot of office-based workplaces. Number one, because the pandemic eased and more of us have been able to go into work. And number two, because the autonomy we gained during the pandemic is not going away anytime soon. Many people want to stay at home for half the week or more. So looking ahead now, Taylor, I'm being asked a lot, is the switch to hybrid and flexible working going to be reversed by the recession and hard economic times? What are you hearing from your reporting? I don't think that workers are going to be eager to give up the patterns that they've established over the past couple of years when it comes to working remotely and working hybrid. But I would say an important caveat to that is that the bosses might be ready to switch things up. I think it's important to remember that the reason we were able to develop a remote work pattern was not just because of the pandemic, but because we're in a very tight labor market and we're experiencing a global labor shortage. So bosses have been more willing than they would have been five, 10 years ago to make allowances to keep employees happy, knowing that employees can just quit and go somewhere else if there's a remote work policy that they're not happy with. But if we get into a scenario where employers are laying off people in mass, kind of like we've seen in tech and in media, I wouldn't be surprised if more and more chief executives started to say, you know what, you're lucky to have a job. There's nowhere else you can go if I make a decision you don't like. So now we're going to do things my way. We've already started to see some of that in Silicon Valley. Yeah, I think people are going to start to double down on coming into the office. That's really interesting. So we've gone first with my obsession on how hybrid's going to develop. So, Sophia, what's your number one prediction for listeners on how work and workplaces might change? I think, obviously, the big trend that we saw this year was around quiet quitting, the loss of ambition. People are really scaling back on the grind and the hustle. However, I don't necessarily think that that sort of workaholism hustle is going to come back in the same form. But as we're seeing, you know, entering into a possible recession and lots of layoffs, I do think that people are going to be taking stock of what their relationship is with their boss, you know, how visible are they within their company, just making sure that they are known as someone who is a really effective worker. Taylor, do you think that how we think about work has profoundly shifted? We've talked about this before in the context of the Great Resignation and people not putting up with crap from their employer anymore. Do you think that is just not going away? Absolutely. I think that's here to stay. And I think we're in for an interesting moment of tension as employers get to this point where they start to see workers as a little bit more replaceable, a little bit more disposable than they have in the past two years. But at the same time, employees are like, wait a second, I deserve to be treated like a human being. I'm essential. Remember, that's one thing I've heard over and over and over again as I've covered different labor issues is you told me two years ago I'm essential. Am I not still essential? Like what happened? 
And I wanted to ask, you know, you're both millennial workers in New York. You're at the absolute epicenter of cutting edge workplace trends. What are you seeing among your peers? Are your friends quitting? Have they got side hustles? Are they climbing the corporate ladder in a traditional way? What's going on? I'm seeing a lot of people kind of burrowing down in their jobs, trying to create some stability for themselves because at least myself and my friends are at an age where we're trying to maybe not settle down in the like marriage and family sense, but we're trying to feel more established in the lives that we've built. But I also have several friends who are job hunting and who are looking to change jobs, who are looking to get the jobs that they deserve based on their experience. A lot of people are still really, really fed up with the conditions that they're in in regards to pay and to hours, especially those in the entertainment industry, which you know is huge in New York. So I think a lot of people are still trying to have their great resignation moment. And, you know, I wish them all the best, obviously, but I think that is going to become tougher and tougher, or at least I'm hearing from my friends who have a propensity to switch jobs frequently that it's getting tougher and tougher to land those interviews, get solid offers. I'm hearing a lot of people saying, I interviewed for this job, and then they pulled the position halfway through. So I think we're definitely coming on to tough times, and people are preparing in whatever way they can. Just to get back to the nitty gritty of work, Sophia, I've seen people saying that we've made a decade's worth of advance in terms of tech and corporate culture in the past couple of years while many of us were at home. What do you think is going to advance in terms of workplace tech? What's on the horizon? Will it help us or will it spy on us? I think potentially both. In terms of the spy tech that employers could potentially be utilizing, I know Zoom this year has been working on technology for gesture recognition. So say you're in a Zoom call, you could raise your hand and it would then add you to the queue for people to be called on in the conference call. And they're also working on facial expression recognition, which could potentially have implications for who is engaged with this meeting, who's multitasking in this meeting. So those are very real possibilities. The technology is there for employers to really start having more purview into those aspects of how you're working remotely. So hang on, they'll be able to tell if you're looking at your phone during the meeting? Potentially, yes. (laughs) So they're working on facial expression recognition. So as you're on camera, it might be able to detect your eye movement. It could potentially recognize if your facial expression reads as bored or interested or confused. And so that could potentially generate a lot of very interesting data for employers about who is doing what on video calls. But in terms of tech that could help or potentially hurt us, there's been a lot of talk in the tech world about generative AI. You might have seen recently a lot of people are posting these generative AI selfies from an app called Lensa, but it's also happening in text. A lot of people will post on Twitter, you know, oh, I fed this artificial intelligence a bunch of scripts, movie scripts, and I asked it to write a scene of some ridiculous scenario. But that could also potentially help us if you wanted to work with an AI to develop your next podcast script. Maybe it could generate some ideas for you and then you could go in and sort of tailor it yourselves. However, if your employer is thinking, oh, we can just use an AI to replace all these workers then that is less helpful. Yeah, I would love a bit of AI to help me with my scripts, but there we go. So Taylor, I wanted to bring it back to the human. 
I think what we did learn in the pandemic was the importance of connection and psychological need, which I think is something that has really been overlooked in a lot of workplaces until now. Do you think that companies are going to be thinking more about human needs in 2023? Or do you think that the reality of recession is going to be a cold, hard stop to all of that touchy-feely stuff? I mean, listen, Isabel, I'm an economics person. So I do think that we're going to see quite a bit of reversals. That's just my prediction. I mean, trust me, I hope that I'm wrong. But I've already started to see layoffs in targeting recruiting, targeting human resources, targeting all sorts of people functions, including diversity and inclusion. And that just leads me to believe that companies are making choices. And when it comes down to it, they're deciding they need the finance people more than they need the people people. And we all know how that's going to work out for the rank and file. Yeah, I'm pretty pessimistic too. I think they've made so much noise about their well-being programs and DEI programs. And I think you're right. These things could be cut. And I really hope they're not. And I think it could be counterproductive in the medium to long term. And I wanted to ask you both, what are your outlier thoughts on trends? I'm not sure this is too out there anymore, but I have heard a lot of people continuing to talk about remote work, nomad life. And so I think we could see a little bit of a resurgence of that this year. I remember in the summer when everyone was doing their first European vacation since the pandemic, a lot of people came back and said, I want to do that for three months next summer. And so I think we're potentially going to see that on a grander scale. And the reason my outlier predictor is so mild, you could say, is just because, once again, I think a lot of employers are not going to want to spend too much money on employees when they're just going to lay half of them off anyway. But we'll see. Good point, Taylor. Sophia, what's your out there prediction? Well, I don't know how widespread this would be, but I think it'll be interesting as we see more places experimenting with the four-day work week. We've also seen the rise of the side hustle. If we are entering into a recession, that historically can be a time of opportunity for a lot of entrepreneurially minded people. Yeah. When you touched there on the four-day week, and Taylor, we've gone really big on the four-day week here at the Financial Times because there's been a big experiment in the UK where 70 companies have been trialing a four-day week for six months and it's had really positive results. But we don't hear much about the four-day week in the States. Is it something that is taking off there? I know there's a lot of interest in it, but do you think because of the recession, this might not be the year for it? Yeah, I don't think this is the year for it. I think you're totally right. I think the US is behind the UK on this one for sure. I don't think we've, at least I haven't seen the type of large-scale studies done here comparable to the one that's running in the UK. And it seems like a lot of employers just think that it's completely out there and we would never even consider it. Maybe it's a stereotypical American workaholic culture thing that we have going on. But I don't see it taking off here. Maybe 2024. I agree, Taylor. I think you're right. I wanted to pick up on the last trend of 2022. It's just coming into view now. And I wondered, has the great resignation turned into the great cushioning? You know, career cushioning is this latest trend. And Sophia, could you explain what it is and why it's apt for this moment? Career cushioning is a term, I think that's sort of borrowed from romantic relationships where 
you're in your long-term post, but you're maybe looking around for what's next and you're using the stability of your current situation to have a low stakes exploration and moment of preparing for a shift into a new opportunity. It's funny that this is coming up. Taylor and I actually were just discussing a related trend last week of job cuffing which is also a term borrowed from romantic relationships where in the winter time you sort of hunker down and you have your current prospects and you sort of ride that out for the season and then you wait until springtime when there's more activity and then you can go out and find your next conquest, so to speak. I love the way that this romantic life is shifting into work so we could have like a Tinder for jobs soon. So I wanted to sort of round off by talking about leadership and management particularly because they've undergone a big shift in recent years. Lots of leaders want to be seen as listening and empathetic, which was a big thing in the pandemic. I think I know what you're going to say, Taylor, but do you think a recession is going to bring back the autocrats? Maybe yes, maybe no. I mean, the reason I have pause about just saying like, yes, everyone's going to make a power grab in 2023 is because I think we've also had a big cultural shift where people are understanding that certain things are not okay in the workplace that might have been okay five, 10 years ago. We're starting to you know, learn how to treat each other well. I think people are losing tolerance for harassment and bullying, which I think is fantastic. And so some of those activities, we'll say, that really narcissistic, autocratic bosses use will not be tolerated in the same way that they once were. And that might bring more humble, charismatic people to the top of our companies. We'll see. Sophia, what are people filling your inbox with in terms of leadership trends? A lot around DEI. But the newer one that is just as big, if not bigger, is ESG, Environmental Social Governance. It's about how can we bring our business into good social standing in terms of being net zero with our carbon emissions? How can we be a greener, more sustainable business, not only for the planet, but also to be attractive to potential candidates because people want to work for socially minded companies? I just wanted to add that there are also a lot of American conservatives who really, really are pushing back on the idea of ESG as well. And so I think as much as there are, are young people who are looking at a company's ESG metrics to decide, do I want to work here? There are also a lot of conservatives who are pulling their money out of corporations, whether it be they're pulling their pension funds out of investors and out of fund managers that are prioritizing ESG because they have ties to coal or they have ties to oil and gas, et cetera, et cetera, and they want those industries to be protected. So I think ESG is definitely this flashpoint where for some people it's really attractive and for some people it is a reason to walk away. And so I think Sophia is absolutely right. We're definitely going to be talking about ESG more and more and more, but not always as a draw for people. It's pretty hard to sum up a year that hasn't happened yet in a few words. But for me, I think the looming recession and economic hardship that Taylor alluded to there, and she sees all the time in her reporting, that's going to overshadow everything. It may end this kind of job hopping and, you know, real power to the staff that has been a real feature of the last few years. But I think this career cushioning idea that you're in a job, but perhaps looking for the next thing, that you're building your personal brand. 
the growth of the personal over the corporate, I think, is what I see is likely to be the biggest thing happening. You can prove me wrong at the end of the year, but I think 2023 is going to be a really interesting, pivotal year for workplace culture. With many thanks to Taylor Nicole Rogers and Sophia Smith for this episode. And please do get in touch with us. We want to hear from you. We're at workingit at ft.com or I'm at Isabel Barrick on Twitter. If you're an FT subscriber, please sign up for our Working It newsletter. We've got behind the scenes extras from the podcast and original reporting you won't find anywhere else. Sign up at ft.com forward slash newsletters. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Working It is produced by Novel for the Financial Times. Thanks to the producer, Flo de Schlichting, and executive producer, Joe Wheeler, with production support from Amalia Sortland and mix from Chris O'Shaughnessy. From the FT, we have editorial direction from Manuela Saragossa. Thanks for listening. <laughs>